0: we go. All right, now we're live. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rocket MSP Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Taylor, and today I'm joined by Rayanne. And I intentionally did not ask how to pronounce your last name. I only have two options to choose from in my mind: Buccianico or Buccianico. You were
1: right the first time, Buccianico.
0: Okay. 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 <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah. All right. So, so Rayanne, uh, I remember, you know, we, we met, uh, gosh, it, it's been like five, six, eight, I don't know, however many years. Was it like yeah. Autotask 2012 or something like that?
1: Uh, Autotask 2012. Wasn't that the one in Scottsdale, Arizona?
0: No, I, it wasn't Scottsdale. Oh, I I'm Where were I we?
1: certain that we met in Miami. Um, I, I, it was definitely at an task community live. Yeah. And I, and I want to say it was in Miami. So it was probably about 14, 2014.
0: I guess I didn't realize, did they go to Miami more than once? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because yeah, was- I, I remember going, I think it was 18. They they were in Miami. Or was it 16? They're all, last year was a hell of a decade. I keep telling people this. So it's, all these years are blurring together anymore. Um, But I remember going, and this was after I started doing my podcast. So this was long after I met you to make me sound old. You're the same age. Um, So, yeah, I, I remember going to Miami. And that was the first time I'd ever really, like, experienced Miami. And that was at that real fancy hotel just a couple of years ago. And I think I ran into you again there. Mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, I think we were running in different circles and I didn't get to, to really talk with you much, but, but back in, in, I want to say it was 2012. We, we met somewhere at a data event. I, I think it was Florida. I just don't know that it was Miami. It might've been a St. Something or a, Fort there something. Was a.
1: There was one auto community live in Orlando. And I want to say that that was, was it. It was, uh, I think, either 11 or 12.
0: Um, but that was it. And, yeah.
1: and you're right.
0: So so I've, you know, I've known about you for a while. I, I have always known and, and thought of you as Rand, the lady that can do an MSP's taxes and do them well. Uh, but, but there's like so much more to you. So, can can you please enlighten the group what what all does Rayanne do?
1: Okay, what does uh, Rayanne do? So, um, Rayanne owns a an accounting firm. It's called ABC Solutions, and we're located okay. in Clearwater, Florida. And we specialize in working with MSPs around the U.S. and Canada. Uh, and we help manage their books. We uh, File their sales taxes. We prepare live payroll. We do income taxes. We do tax projections, uh, KPIs, metrics, all of those things. And you know, we've been specializing in working with MSPs probably for you know we've focused on that for probably the last eight or nine years. Although I've been in business since two thousand and five, so I'm coming up on my sixteenth anniversary of being in business. Congrats. Thank
0: you. That's, uh, that's a good amount of time.
1: It's It's been a ride, you know, it's a couple of, you know, a couple of recessions, a couple of hurricanes, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, we had an oil spill, you know, so it's it's been a ride.
0: <laughs> Oof. All right. So so accounting for MSPs, um, you also do auto test consulting now.
1: I do. Uh, we, we tend to specialize in Autotask. Um, I have been working with Autotask since 2006, right? So when I first went out on my own and started my own business, um, and I, at the time I was still, you know, running a lot of IT services. So ABC Solutions um, got the name for accounting business and computing so that's what the ABC stands for is accounting business and computing solutions because at the time I thought well I could be an accountant during the day and I can you know wire networks and you know set up servers you know um, by night and I can be all things to all people well that's not a sustainable business practice as anybody who's ever tried to be all things to all people can you know uh, can ascertain but Um, So, but when it came time to make the decision uh, that, okay, I need to find a core focus of my business, um, I quickly realized that accounting was, you know, the smarter decision, but I I just could not leave the technology. I was running an SBS user group out of uh, Tampa Bay. You know, and, and I had so many friends and, you know, trusted people that I knew in the IT channel. I I wasn't willing to give it up. And then here comes AutoTask. Mm-hmm. task, you know, because uh, I'm in the Tampa Bay area at the time. Um, ConnectWise would not sell their product to anybody within a 50 mile radius of them. So. They, um, so our only option at the time was Autotask. Autotask came out onto the scene, and I started to get really involved in helping all of my local IT friends connect their Autotask, you know, to QuickBooks. And I thought, you know, but, yeah, this is a service that a lot of people are going to need someday. So mm-hmm. I started to really focus on that. And um, and Harry Bralsford introduced me to um, the uh the, uh, Vince at Autotask, um, uh, Leonard, Leonard D. Costanza, He introduced me to him. And then uh, Lenny introduced me to Bob and uh, Bob Godgart and uh, Jay McBain. And so then I started doing more and more consulting and talking with them, you know, working with the development people over at Autotask and still working with them on a lot of the QuickBooks integrations and things. So, yeah, that's how we got here. Long story. That is really cool.
0: (laughs) No, no, we have plenty of time. Um, All right. So, wow. Uh, So, so at this point you're, you're like not doing it services. You're not running an MSP then.
1: So my MSP is about this big, right? And for anybody who's only listening to us, I've got my fingers like about uh, a quarter of an inch apart. I I do have a couple of local um, businesses that I manage their uh, IT for. And really, I do it for two main reasons. One, it helps keep me relevant in the IT channel. You know, so as I'm, you know, playing as I'm doing all of these different things with these you know new tools and learning what everything does. Um, it helps keep me relevant. I even manage my own IT for the most part. I'm, you know, with um, help from some friends around the world. But the other reason that I do it is really because they're very small companies with very limited uh, IT knowledge and they just simply need help. You know, but, um, Really, I you know I set up their my, their Microsoft 365 tenants and you know connected to everything you know that and I'll go and plug in a printer from time to time or you know everybody's the peer to peer networks So really nothing uh, except for my dentist um, client my dentist client has a server but everybody else is peer to peer so it's very very minimal IT stuff you know my focus is accounting and I'm running out of time. To spread mm-hmm.
0: that. Out. So I've got to ask the question. Of course. Uh, you you said you've got a dentist client. So uh, HIPAA.
1: Yep. So, <laughs> yep. So um, and and I try and stay on top of that as much as possible. You know, um, I've you know I've been using a. Cisco firewall for years and years, and I'm not at all Cisco certified. So if I run into problems, um, if I run into problems with uh, with my dentist client, I I call on third tier and uh, and I get somebody over there to help me. I do not pretend Mm -hmm. to be the, you know, the person that knows it all um, because that's scary stuff. But uh, I know that I know I can trust the third tier people to help me out anytime I need them.
0: And I, w- what's funny is I just had Amy on yesterday.
1: Oh really? So. Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know what a BAA is? No. You don't know what a BAA <laughs> is?
1: Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with the acronym. Can you uh, elaborate?
0: The- Business Associates Agreement for HIPAA Compliance. Okay. So um, you're going to get a bunch of people trolling you now. I know. I'm sorry, Rayanne. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. So a BAA is basically um, because you are doing IT for a company that has um, compliance regulations, the BAA is something that you need to sign with them Uh, And you also need to get them signed between you and your vendors that are relevant to them. Um, So basically the BAA is, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not going to call it uh, uh, confidentiality because it's so much more than that. Um, And I'm, and I'm not going to say it's, it's just like uh, an MSA because it's so much more than that. It, but it is basically defining the terms of your relationship um and and how how and why and when and whatever you will access their machines and their patient data.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that makes total sense. Um and I will make sure that I get that into place. I, I hadn't really considered it.
0: So And I'll, I'll be honest, uh dentists um don't usually want to be HIPAA compliant.
1: Right. Oh, uh, dentists uh, and I doctors yeah you know, i don't know what it is about Dennis. you know i think they still have most of their lunch money um and and i make jokes about it you know at least this one particular um you know dental client that i have he's very good friend and uh, and again that's pretty much the reason why i stepped in to help him. um and he had this you know old server that was dying a slow and painful death and so i um Finally got him to part with some money to uh, update everything. So I don't think I'd have a problem getting him to sign.
0: Well, um, I, I will say I, I can't I can't vouch for them because I just don't I don't know it. Uh, I haven't worked with them to do it, but it sounds like Amy stays up to date on HIPAA, and I mean I know she was. Oh, She was talking Mm -hmm. about CMMC, I think, and and all kinds of other compliance stuff. So um, talk to them and and make sure that you can protect yourself, because that would really suck if you got in trouble. Uh, I hear fines are expensive when it comes to HIPAA and patient privacy. (sighs) Okay, so now that that's out of the way.
1: I have my own (laughs) fines to talk about in the IRS, right? So, you know, compliance issues coming out my ears.
0: Yes, you do. So with, with the IRS stuff, are you an actual CPA?
1: I am not. I am an enrolled agent.
0: So how does that work? Like what is the difference between a CPA and an enrolled agent?
1: Uh, So great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, An enrolled agent is uh, eligible to practice for the IRS in all 50 states. Uh, Okay. So um, I have to take this, you know, this incredible exam, it's four parts over uh, two days. And I had to pass all four parts, very much like the CPA exam, but it's focused 100% on tax. The CPA exam covers tax auditing uh, and accounting and, uh, you know, a bunch of, uh, and there's four parts, but Uh, A CPA is only eligible to practice in a state in which they are licensed by uh, the state board of accountancy. So I don't have that restriction because I'm licensed to practice in all 50 states. So um, so that's that's the primary difference. You know, there are things that CPAs can do that uh, enrolled agents cannot. I cannot do it You know, a qualified review, and I cannot do a certified audit, but I don't want to do any of those things anyway. And when I mean audit, I mean, you know, audits of nonprofits and audits of public businesses and, you know, audited financial statements. I'm not talking about tax audits because I am um, perfectly capable of uh, representing anybody in any tax audit.
0: Hmm. All right. So, so MSPs doing taxes. What do we have anything like special we should or shouldn't be doing compared to know, like the other average businesses?
1: So, when I'm, you know, when I'm helping MSPs, you know, um, I focus. A, I focus a bit on tax, right? So, as I'm doing the accounting work you know, uh, on a quarterly basis at the end of every quarter, starting in the second quarter, um, I'll do a tax projection, right? So all things being equal between now and the end of the year, uh, this is what you can reasonably expect to pay for income taxes. It gives us six months to prepare and to plan and, you know, fund retirement plans or do whatever to minimize taxes. Um, and so that is something that we do, but, you know, for MSPs, you know, I would say focus more on what's going on in your business. And, you know, um, the, the income taxes are are the income taxes, you know, that you know your job is to try to make as much money as possible between January and December, assuming, of course, mm-hmm. you have a calendar year tax basis, right? So that's your job and that's where you should focus your energies and, you know, um, And so I teach these courses that, you know, show MSPs how to line up their uh, accounting system so that they can read it, right? This is what I've made in product sales. This is what um, I've paid in product costs. This is my margin. Am I making enough money in that product margin? You know, so I teach things like that, how to read the financials, how to spot the red flags, you know, um, do you have too much debt in your business? You know, um, it, there's tons of things that, that can be done, you know, to identify the red flags and to correct them. And that's where I try to spend, you know, focus my efforts. And then, um, that you know, when we get to the tax projections in July and September, and then again in November or December, um, you know, okay, the, because what you're doing when you're running your financials during the year, you should be looking at your financials on an accrual basis. I've invoiced X amount of dollars and I'm going to pay, you know, Y amount of dollars. And and this is the, you know, this is the total amount of my sales for the month or the quarter or whatever. Um, but you may not file your income taxes on the accrual basis. You may be filing on a cash basis. So uh, always look at your financials. Look uh, based on accrual, you'll get much clearer information.
0: Hmm. Okay. I like that. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure if you've heard, there was this thing that happened last year uh, called COVID-19. And because of that, uh, Congress passed uh, just a tiny little law, you know, just a few hundred dollars uh, here and there, right? The The CARES Act. Um, and, and with that, we got PPP loans. And then we also got those SBA grants of, um, up to $10,000. So I guess my, my first question I, I kind of have regarding those is, uh, for, for the people that have gotten those loans and, and haven't like taken care of the forgiveness part yet how how does that work on the taxes is that like reportable income
1: it is not um it was going okay. to be it, it, the original plan was that it was going to be reportable income and um but you know on December 27th you know at the last hour um, the president signed into law second you know the second round of ppps and congress became it made things very clear that the uh, the PPP loan forgiveness would not be taxable. The uh, expenses paid with the PPP loans uh, would indeed be deductible and the EIDL advances also not taxable. So, you know, uh, on December 27th, that it had been announced that this was really, truly indeed free money from the government for the first time ever in the, the history of ever,
0: right? Well, you know. I, you know, I got to say, uh, I'm going to make one political joke and we're all just going to move on. I just love that the Republicans wanted to give out all this free money. Um, that's all I got. So <laughs> so the PPP money was free money. I know that the EIDL advance was, was a grant, so that was like free money. Now, I know some MSPs who were denied the grant. Due to credit history.
1: They may have been denied the, EID, uh, the, the EIDL, the actual loan, because of the credit history. But I don't know if the grants were deniable. But it's possible. It's possible. I,
0: well, and, I, and that's right. So, so they, they applied. And because they were denied for the loan, they just didn't get the grant. So, that's
1: intense. but then those,
0: but then those same those same MSPs with, I I'm I'm assuming it must have been like, okay credit and not crappy credit, their banks gave them the PPP loan, and maybe the banks are just a little more laissez faire, assuming it'll all just get written off or so. I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Like So,
1: so let me help you with that. Um, the PPP loan, yes, you had to apply with your bank, but it was it was not up to the bank to actually release the funds. So once mm. you applied to your bank, the bank took your application and they sent it off to the SBA. And the SBA uh, then approved the funds and, and issued the PPP loans. Now, for the uh, CARES Act, for the PPP loans, the um, you, the loans are were not to be collateralized. There were, um, there was to be no credit requirement, you know, so they didn't even have to check your credit in order for you to be qualified to receive the PPP loan. All you needed to do uh-huh. was all business in business on February 15th, you know, and, uh, and have employees, right. So, or be self-employed because just you counted. Exactly. Right. So, um, and you were eligible for this loan, and the entire purpose of that was to make sure that you stayed in business. Now, the EIDL it was is an economic injury disaster loan, and those loans are available from the SBA all the time. And the SBA mm-hmm. has put some strict rules uh, against those that they do need to be collateralized. You do need to have a certain, you know, uh, credit score and. You know um, credit history in order to qualify for that kind of loan because it it's it's like taking out a mortgage. As a matter of fact, it's almost exactly like a mortgage. It's thirty years, three point seven five percent. You know, so uh, everybody that had taken out that had received the EIDL, the actual loan, what you really did was you took a mortgage out on your business.
0: Wow. I I never. I never looked into it because I I mean, I, I like, I know I applied because I just wanted my, my free grant money because, Hey, if they're going to give it out, I'm going to, I'm going to take it. Um, And, uh, but I didn't really look, I didn't, I didn't get a loan. I just, you know, so uh, yeah, I didn't realize that the people that were, that were taking like above and beyond the grant funds were, were taking out a mortgage on their business. That is scary. Um. Wow. So does that mean the, the government could foreclose on your business if you stop paying that loan?
1: Well, you do. Uh, you're actually bound uh, to a bunch of agreements when you sign that loan document. Um, you're not allowed to use the money to, uh, to relocate the business. So you can't just say, oh, I think I want to move to Florida today. And, oh, look, I have all of this money from the SBA. I'm just going to pick up my business and, and move it to Florida. Um, you know, so the money must be used for working capital. And and the SBA can come and ask for documentation as, as to what you're using the money for. Um, and it's really not that difficult to show them sure. that you're using the money, you know, for your business. Because really all you have to do is. You know, run a and L. You know, and spread it out by months. And you know, and say, okay, these are all of my expenses. You know, and so I have used this money. You know, to cover those expenses. So it's really, it's really not that difficult to um, to do that.
0: And I I just sent you a private chat. I wasn't sure if you saw it. Someone someone wanted to say hi. Um, so all right, uh, let's see here. Um if we haven't done the loan forgiveness forms, is there a deadline?
1: Uh there currently is not uh, a deadline. and can I just say hello to Ryan real fast?
0: Absolutely. yeah.
1: Hey, Ryan, thanks for joining. Great to see you. Um, so currently there is not a uh, there's not a deadline. For the PPP loan forgiveness applications, um, however, so as a matter of fact, I was talking with uh, one of my clients today, and and I was talking to one yesterday, and they're like, "What's going on with this uh, loan forgiveness? Apparently, you know, we're supposed we're supposed to help them with their forgiveness, but neither one of their banks even has the portal open uh, for the forgiveness. Oh, yeah, so. Um, They're not
0: using Chase, are they?
1: (laughs) No. No. And as a matter of fact, if they were using Chase, at least that portal's open. They might be slow as molasses about it, but but you can at least fill out the application. Um, But some of the the other banks are just really dragging their feet. And that's been the most infuriating part of this entire thing is sitting around waiting for the banks. You know, and I understand the banks' problems, too. You know, every time they set up a portal, the government comes along and changes the rules, and they got to change the portal. You know, so I I get it, I get it. It hasn't. I, been I mean, because... it
0: only happened like seven or eight times last year with all these rule
1: changes. <laughs> Come on. I
0: know. And that's the scary thing is, you know, that the government keeps changing these rules, and to give the bank the benefit of the doubt, like they're spending a boatload of of time and resources and money making all these changes to their sites and you know re-educating their staff on, on how to do all of this stuff. And I suspect they're not getting a whole lot from the government for it.
1: You're probably right about that. I think they are getting um I was it uh like five percent or some some very small amount uh for processing the loan.
0: So so the bigger banks like the Chase banks and the Uh, Wells Fargo's and PNC's of the world like those banks can probably justify doing all of this stuff but then when you start looking at like the smaller regional or or maybe only like city banks or credit unions like I suspect those banks really struggle with being able to keep up with all of this stuff and that's probably why their portal still isn't up.
1: Right. Yeah. I I have no doubt that that's the reason, you know, that the smaller banks, the community banks, you know, um, it just they probably simply don't have that kind of infrastructure, you know, or developers on, you know, on site. You know, I know a lot of banks have been outsourcing their portals to um, to. So, right. Because, you know, uh, why try to reinvent the wheel if somebody else, you know, can already spin one up? As a matter of fact, I, I, I think there's one called Focus. And, you know, the, um, so there's a couple of portals that a number of banks are using, you know, that you end up logging into the same portal. You know, which is fine because, you know, as we're doing, you know, tens and 10 or 20 of these things for our clients, it's nice when the portals all look the same. So, yeah, not-
0: that's yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. So I'm not doing it for clients, but yeah, for someone like you, absolutely, that makes a whole lot of sense.
1: Yeah. Um, so, and and of course, you know that there's a second PPP loan uh, out now, and that was a and very- that was
0: going to be my next question.
1: Oh, sorry. Please. No,
0: it's okay. <laughs> well, well, no, I, I want to hear what you have to say about it because you might just answer the question.
1: So um there's new people well, the and the reason I even thought to bring it up is because you were talking about the smaller community banks the smaller uh, um the smaller banks and you know uh, that are really more in you know the the really hard hit areas of the United States you know they got first dibs of the second draw on the PPP loans nice. so those applications have been uh, have been out for a couple of weeks now, two or three weeks now, but now uh, I think the bigger banks, you know, are starting uh, to roll out their applications now. The government just wanted to make sure that the small people in the small banks actually started to receive the money because the... That's great. Yeah, because the last time, you know, the big banks just sucked up all of the cash in the first two weeks. And, um, you know, and even though I think I was probably one of the first people that applied at, you know, um, as soon as I knew about it. And as soon as that portal hit, I was on there at six o'clock in the morning on the first day of application. And, uh, and so my bank, you know, um, took it upon themselves to give the money to a bunch of the big people that had millions and millions of dollars in the bank with them. Well, I don't have millions and millions of dollars. So, you know, um, I was just a small business trying to, you know, do the application anyway i'm no longer banking with that bank and i've decided (laughs) to to, uh, well you know i just felt like the whole thing was handled so poorly and you know i i thought well if you don't really care that much about you know me or my my measly little business then i'll take my measly little business someplace else and so um Mm. And and I'm certain that there are a lot of other people that ran into the same thing with, um, you know, with the, with the big banks. So it was a very frustrating time, I think. So.
0: All right. So. um, Oh, that's so cool. Uh, One of my colleagues uh, just just sent a BAA. I I think he's suggesting I share it with you, like the actual document. That way, you can have one that you can uh, pick well, apart and work you very, with your attorney. Thank
1: you very much for not trolling me and calling me an idiot, and instead, you know, providing me with the solution. I love that, that about the IT community. You I
0: mean I need to. Awesome. I need to. <laughs> I I will I will send that over to you later. Thank you. Um, awesome. All right. So. Uh, so with the second PPP loan, does that mean that people that got the first one can also get the second one?
1: Uh, absolutely, yes. If you okay. had, um, but the uh, the rule is is that you had to have a loss in 2020 before you can qualify for the second loan. So, mm. uh, so here's what you do: <clears throat> you run your right. P and
0: everything under the moon off.
1: We <laughs> 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 have to be able to prove this, though. Um, so <clears throat>
0: legally, write everything under the moon. Off,
1: got it. <laughs> right. So uh, run your PL for 2020, and then you know at the top, um, you know, uh, hopefully you have the ability to run a comparative statement. So compare it against 2019, and if possible, you know, if there's, if you have the option for the percentage of change tick that box too, so that you can see the percentage of change. You're looking at top line revenue, right? Don't look at the bottom line. Don't add in your PPP loan, you know, uh, to the top line revenue, just, you know, your, your revenue from sales services, you know, products um, that sort of thing. And, uh, and if your revenue dipped 25% or greater from 20, from 2019 to 2020, then uh, you qualify immediately for the second drop of the PPP.
0: So you don't even have to have a, a loss loss. Like you don't have to say, you know, I after all my expenses, I made $12,000. Like it doesn't have to be like that. It's literally 2020, I made 25% less than 2019. You automatically will qualify So, for those of you that uh, your books are a little disheveled, if if you're struggling and and want or need to take uh, advantage of that PPP loan for the second round, it sounds like you've got some homework. Which I love giving people homework, Rand. I don't know if you knew that. Um,
1: (laughs) So so, um, here's, and I'm just going to add on to that a, a minute because it's not just year over year you know, if you have year over year loss of revenue, loss of revenue, not lo- not net losses like you said, um, then you automatically qualify. But if you don't, you know, let's say that you don't have loss of revenue of 25% or greater from 2019, right? Um, then the next thing you do is you run that report by quarter. And so if, you're, if your first quarter um, 2020 versus your first quarter of 2019, if there's a 25% loss in that quarter, you know then you qualify. If not, look at your second quarter. Does that Did that one dip 25% or more? If so, you qualify. So it's not just the year over year, but you can spread it out over the quarter. If you can prove that at least one quarter in 2020, uh, the revenue was down by 25% or more over the same quarter, in
0: 2019 you qualify oh man it sounds like you guys got a lot of extra homework but you know it 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 could it could help uh so i only like to give homework that's good homework that helps people not like you know I'm, i'm not like your math teacher who just you know here i need you to do these 17 proofs geometry was actually my favorite class i loved doing proofs but i couldn't remember how to do one right now to save my life um all right, so with with the PPP stuff, um, whether we are an LLC that files as a single member or filing as an S corp, whether we're a whether we are an LLC or an S corp, um, it doesn't matter. PPP is is not even needed to be listed on as income.
1: Correct. Well, so if you're an S corp, right? Um, you know, if you're a corporation or a partnership, um, when you file your tax return. On page four, there's the Schedule L and the and the two M schedules, M1 and M2. And I can tell you this because I've already filed my own corporate return. Um, so the, uh, yeah, I just did it last week. I'm behind.
0: Year. I am behind. <laughs> I, I thought they didn't accept them until the end of this month. I uh, I thought they, they'll start doing the personals in January uh, 31st and then the uh, business on February 28th
1: other way around business returns uh, started um, back at the end of January and uh, 1040s you can start to e-file tomorrow that will be February 12th is is the first day so okay. um, but this anyway this is why
0: people don't pay me to do taxes <laughs>
1: <Anyway>. <laughs> <laughs> so um, but anyway, uh, on the on the schedule or on page four of the corporate return and uh, the partnership, I think it's on page five. But um, there's an M1 schedule where you take your book income and you uh, and you make the uh, book to tax adjustments so that you start with the book and you end with the tax uh, income, and so the PPP loan forgiveness and the EIDL and any local um, state or local grants that you might have received, they're all going to be M1 adjustments. And uh, that's going to go into the box that is called uh, income uh, income on books not reported on the return. And so, um, and that's, mm. that's taxable. So it doesn't need to land on schedule K. It doesn't need to go on your K one. It's not a pass through anything or other. Um, it's just an M one adjustment on your tax return.
0: And for those of you crazy enough to do your taxes by yourselves, you may know what she's talking about. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, I, I feel like I've I've kind of exhausted all the PPP stuff. Um, I, I feel I feel good there. So oh. so let's talk about those people that are crazy enough to do their own taxes. Uh, why should I use you instead of just buying the the nice high end version of TurboTax? I mean, Ryan, it comes with the uh, the audit shield if I pay the <laughs> extra hundred and fifty bucks.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's important. You can do that. Um, And, you know, first of all, I I don't know that uh, TurboTax and I can't even really speak to TurboTax because I have to admit I have literally never used it. Um, Yeah. Well, yeah. to clarify, I
0: I do use it, but I am an LLC filing as a as a sole proprietor, so okay. that's why I'm able to use it because I've got my my 1040 and my Schedule C and my 9012 hut hike and my Alpha Niner. I don't know what I'm saying again, Rand, because I just go through the wizard and TurboTax.
1: Right. So. <laughs> You can go through that wizard and it will ask you a bunch of questions and try to, you know, determine whether, you know, uh, this is taxable or, you know, or where to stick this. Um, you know, and for a lot of people, it's the perfect solution. You know, it's nice and simple, but mm-hmm. if you're running, you know, if you're running a business and, and you have investments or let's say you have rental properties, you know, you um, TurboTax will do the best that it can to um, to try and gather all of that information out of you, uh, but I'm. Um, it's possible that you could miss something. You know, I was on uh, I was on a phone call today with um, with somebody who, you know, was just the friend I, I had a friend who passed away. It turns out they were the executor of the estate. There was this mm-hmm. not um non-qualified annuity they didn't know you know what to do with it and you know and then there was this partnership from this other state and this is a community property state but that one wasn't and what do we do with this you know so sometimes sometimes life throws some quirky things at you and you might not really know what to do and and no uh turbo tax wizard in the world is going to help you through something like that so
0: that's that's fair. So with, with, you know, having estates and things like that, like, you know, that, that sets up uh, interesting conversations for, um, I, I think the, the technical legal term is tax
1: sheltering
0: or, or shielding.
1: It's sheltering. Yeah. Tax shelters. Um, and the, and- Can we not go into tax shelters here? Because that's a whole conversation. You know, there's just so many different, um, you know, rabbit holes could go down on that.
0: Well, and I understand rabbit holes. So I basically want the the 10,000 foot overview. At what point does it make sense for an MSP business owner to consider looking into tax sheltering whether it's estates or uh, other things um, like is it is it when when the company starts making so much money when the individual or family starts making so much money when there's so much money in the bank like is is there just a for sure this guy should be should be doing something different you know what I mean
1: oh well I have those conversations all the time with people you know like Um, Especially when, you know, a new client comes to us and they might be an LLC being taxed as a sole proprietor, just as you are, right? And, you know, so I I take a look at what's going on in the business and how much money is is flowing through, you know, and um, how much they're paying in self-employment taxes you know, and do they struggle with those self-employment taxes at the end of the year? Right. Because if you've got two hundred thousand dollars in self-employment earnings, you know, your self-employment tax is going to be pretty hefty. And, um, you know, and if once, you don't...
0: once you get over like one thirty or something, aren't you supposed to start filing as an escort like well, for tax purposes or whatever?
1: Well, you could you know be doing that right so you know if you max out social security which was 137.7 last year um and i think it's up to around 140 this year i don't know what the exact number is i'm sure it's in that big one of those big books behind me um late reading (laughs) So, um but yeah, you know, it, it's always good to have that conversation. Should I, should I be, uh, should I switch from a sole proprietor um, to something else like an S corp or a C corp, and why do I want to do that? And if I do do that, what, uh, what new rules do I need to follow? You know, because people will tell you, you know, hey, you're making X amount of dollars, you need to be an S corporation. And I used to call that uh, what I call that. Uh, run by tax advice, you know, because they would run down the street, that go be a S Corp, right, you know, and uh, and throw a piece of fruit at you. <laughs> and um, but they, it, but the thing is, is that they didn't tell you what the rules were. They didn't tell you that you have to be on payroll. You have to pay yourself a reasonable salary. You know, you you have to file all of these different things and additional tax returns. And you know, what kind of expense is that going to be? So. Before you start, you know, just arbitrarily changing your tax entity, um, have a conversation and find out exactly what it's going to
0: I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm not ignoring. I just, you know, you started saying things like reasonable salary and being on payroll, and it reminded me of this book that I started reading.
1: Simple numbers. Um,
0: yeah. So for those of you that are like uh, what she's saying, uh, re- read this book, okay? I'll, I'll put a, an Amazon affiliate link in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Love me my Amazon affiliate links. Um, you
1: know, that's, a great, that's a great segue for me, though, because I've been using simple numbers uh, for a number of different things. And, uh, and uh, please finish your thought, and then I'll jump in.
0: Please, I I don't have any good thoughts. I just
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, so here's the thing, you know. Uh, anybody that knows me or has ever seen the chart of accounts that I've built for MSPs, you know, can say one thing about it. You know that it truly simplifies the accounting process. And then somebody suggested that I read Simple Numbers, and uh, so I picked up this book the suggestion of a client. And I saw the chart of accounts and I'm like, well, this is very close to what I'm doing. And so uh, and, and this other client said, we want to start implementing simple numbers. And I'm like, great, I'm all I'm all on board. So I went in, changed up the chart of accounts. You know, now we meet regularly, um, you know, and do the labor efficiency ratios to make sure that, you know, that there's you know, they're not overstaffed or understaffed, you know, and whether or not they have money to hire people, you know, so, um, so I'm a huge fan of simple numbers.
0: Very cool. I like it. So I'm not that far into the book. Uh, <laughs> just a few chapters in, but I've already like, it's so cool. What, what this book kind of, it, it flips everything I've ever been told completely on its head like you know this this basically says like oh no you should be paying a lot of taxes like again i'm not that far into the book but the fact that he's like oh no like that's how you know you're making a lot of money is is how many how much taxes you're paying like if you're writing everything off then that means you've spent it all and it's not being put away for your future. And what's the point of working for yourself if you're still blowing all of your money and, and still living paycheck to paycheck? Um,
1: wow, so much in one sentence or one thought there. Okay, so first of all, if you're spending all of your money uh, because you're afraid of paying taxes, then, you know, you're uh, you're. E- your EBITDA numbers, you know, are going to be super, super low. And if you ever hope to try to sell your business, um, you know, and, and, you know, at least gain some, you know, decent price, no buyer in the world is going to say, well, I just threw a bunch of my personal stuff in there. I bought my kids crayons and um and did all of my grocery shopping and it's right there in Meals and Entertainment, you know, no water <laughs> is going, you know, is gonna provide that. And uh, and anybody that has ever tried to go through, you know, the, um, the sale of a business process through the due diligence and all of the documentation, you know, paying income taxes is, you know, is probably the, you know, the least painful of it all. I used to have this client years ago. And I love telling this story. Uh, his, he was a doctor. And when I would deliver his tax return well, at the end of the year and sit there and meet with him and his wife, he was elderly. And, uh, you know, and he would, you know, I'd hand him the tax return and say, Dr. Joe, you you owe one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars and he would get out his checkbook and he would write a check to the U.S. Treasury for one hundred and twenty five thousand, tear it off. And he would look at his wife and he says, you see, dear, I i am still making a lot of money. And he would hand me the check. <laughs> and it was just the cutest thing, you know, so they it, he, they had, you know, uh, they determined their success based on the size of the check they had to write to the IRS every year and mm-hmm. um, that gave me a different perspective on I
0: love think. it I, I absolutely so uh, less serious question would uh, beard care products would these go under like uniforms or advertising what how is it uh, how, how does a, how does a podcasting celebrity? Manage his haircuts and beard care, guys. (laughs) Uh,
1: That's a great question, but I guarantee that there's people out there, you know, people want to uh, write off their haircuts, you know, and um, and their shirts and ties and stuff that... that would never likely pass in an audit, but you go right ahead. Enjoy. You know, you're using. <laughs> they're they're going to protect you in an audit. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying,
0: Rianne. That's what I'm saying. I've got CYA. So, all right. Um, <laughs> so. So I, I think you know with with TurboTax when you when you start adding all the the bells and whistles and the and the audit protection and all that like for what they pitch at like Walmart is you know oh fifty dollars and we'll file your taxes or whatever they sell that stuff for I think it ends up being in like closer to three or four hundred dollars mm-hmm. when you get the small business version and, and add on all the stuff Um and and that doesn't file the Local that just files the uh, federal and state, so uh, that just means I don't need to file the local then, right?
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> just means that they're not going know, They have no idea who your local person is, um, and so you know, that's on you. So if you've got a local tax, like like uh, Ohio, right? And I don't know what state you're in. What state are you in? I'm in Ohio you're in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, Ohio is crazy. Ohio has, you know, state taxes and then they get city taxes and they have county taxes and they've got school district taxes and they get local, you know, local income taxes, the Rita's, you know, so, um, yeah. There, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a tax for everything, you know, they, um, in Ohio and trying to keep up with it's all of really the uh, with all of those localities is just, you know, this side of insanity, but. um
0: Yes. And, and the nice, the nice thing is TurboTax will do Rita. So they, they will do my locality. But with that said, like, you know, the, the single member LLC, who's, who's just doing it all on one tax return. Like, what are you charging for something like that? But I, I assume it's probably a, maybe a sliding scale or something or a range?
1: Oh, of course. Right. Um, It depends on what's on that personal tax return. And, and if there's a Schedule C attached to that tax return, you know, um, it it really depends on the quality of books that come along with it. Right. So if you, uh, you hand me a QuickBooks file or, you know, a trial balance and uh, and the numbers are all over the place, none of them make any sense, uh, then there's going to be some additional work involved. But let's say all things being equal, um, you've got all of your numbers in place, and uh, there's a federal tax return, there's a state tax return, and you know, sometimes a local tax return or you know something like that. Um, on the low end, I probably come in around two, two and a quarter, you know, um, for, you know, for somebody that has um, rental properties, businesses, uh, tons of capital gains, uh, investment accounts or whatever, you know, I might go up to, you know, um, four, 450, something like that. You know, on, on the rare occasion, I have some account, I have some clients with super, super complicated uh, income tax returns. And, you know, but, and they're, you know, off that scale, but, um, sure, sure. but on the average, but, you're going to run between two and $400
0: on the average. But let's be honest in order to do uh, everything that you need to do with turbo tax, you still have to have all of that stuff in order right. or, or you're lying on your taxes. One of the two things are true. Um, the only difference is, if if we go through you, we have to have everything in order. Like you won't let us lie because now that's your ass on the line too, right? Right.
1: Yeah. So, um,
0: yeah
1: and you probably don't know this, but the IRS can uh, will assess penalties up to twenty five thousand dollars to any preparer who files a tax return with a um, with a baseless position on it. So you know. So we are what do you mean
0: required- by baseless position.
1: Right. So we are required, you know, like if you bring me a tax return and you say I made, uh, you know, my gross receipts for my business was five thousand dollars and I have, you know, forty five hundred dollars in meals and entertainment. Um, you know, that's a baseless position. Well, I was out meeting people and, you know, and I just I met people for morning for breakfast and lunch, you know, every day for the last year. And I and I paid for it all, you know, and um and And that's you know that might sound like on the surface, uh, that should be totally deductible, but it's not realistic based on the income. And you know, and I can see that that thing's gonna get flagged in a second, you know and and no, you know, so then I'm now required to say, I need to see the receipts with the customer names on it, and they had better add up to that forty five hundred dollars. If you bring me the receipts, then I'll take the position, you know, but I'm not allowed to without, you know, when I see something that's that questionable, I'm not, I'm actually not allowed to put it on a tax return without the proof.
0: Well, and you know, the great thing is, Ryan, this room is 3,600 square feet that I get to write off on my taxes, right? (laughs) 3,600
1: square feet. That's bigger than my house.
0: It's bigger than my house Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, I see you're writing off 350% of your homes.
1: <laughs> exactly right.
0: Oh boy. All right. So, um, what I'm hearing is, you know, in order to file your taxes, you, you should have kind of all your books in order unless you're going to be an a-hole and lie on it. And if you have all your books in order, just send it all to Rayanne, and you'll spend about the same amount of money and a whole lot less time as you would with TurboTax. Is that is that a fair assessment of what I just gathered there?
1: Um, oh, that that's a fair, but sounding very biased toward me assessment, um, which I'm not opposed. Well, I mean, to. you know, yes, and I'm very happy to help anybody out there that um, that either doesn't have a relationship with uh, an accounting firm or um, or needs help you know, for whatever reason, go ahead and reach out. You know, I'm happy to help.
0: Right. And, and I guess I want to clarify, I'm, I'm not saying like, I, you know, all, all CPAs are garbage. You need to work with Rayanne. Like I'm just simply saying, if, if you're the guy that's been doing it yourself, you know, using free taxfiling.gov filing.gov or TurboTax or whatever else is out there, it, it might be worth your time. And it might be worth your money to just pay a professional, whether it's Rayanne or somebody else. Um, just don't go to uh, uh, H&R Block. Um,
1: um, friends don't let friends go to, you know, big box uh, tax <laughs> you know, because they are going to charge you out the ears. You know, they make it sound like it's going to be super cheap. But by the time, you know, and uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's the one with the torch that I, I don't want to name names, but um, mm. the fees that come out, you know, that I see on returns that come out of there. You know, I've literally had to amend a 1040EZ that came out of there after they were charged like $400 for the 1040EZ. <sighs> it was like crazy expensive and super poor Dude, a
0: 1040 also. easy. That's like one or two pages, right? Right. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah. And like, they don't that's... have it easy anymore. I think, you know, but it, yeah, it was oh. the
0: one, but man, if, if only that's all we had to do. Right. So l- let me ask you this. This is quite possibly the hardest question I'm going to ask you. Um, which one's better QuickBooks online or desktop?
1: Oh yeah. We never even got to QuickBooks, did we? Um, so uh, I'm a fan of QuickBooks Online, and I know that there's going to be plenty of people out there that disagree with me. However, um, you know, we're an accounting firm, and so uh, we, we actually are, are not taking QuickBooks Desktop um clients because it becomes so hard for us to log in to their system to get to their books right i've got to go through um Good i gotta go you. through the firewall i've got to you know rdp in you know to the uh, to the B- vpn then uh, into the or,
0: RDP. or they've got to send you the accountant's copy and and hope that you get it back to them within a few days so that they can start working on it again mm-hmm
1: right, you know, because they can't run payroll or add a chart of accounts, you know, and then, you know, but if I do finally get into, you know, through this firewall or, you know, on the AWS with Duo attached to it and, you know, uh, and this one's up on Google Cloud and this one's over here on Azure, you know, I mean, uh, we were chasing QuickBooks files literally all around the world trying to get in. And I thought, this is crazy. So uh, we made the decision to go with QuickBooks Online across the board, and it just has made life so much easier for us, not to mention the uh, automation tools that we can use. We use Hubdoc, Bill.com, Fathom for reporting, um, you know, uh, and we work with uh, Autotask or uh, ConnectWise users um, even repair shoppers, even repair shopper, you know, so people that are using repair shopper, we use that we have a couple of clients on uh, Kaseya BMS, you know, so um, again, and all of these things integrate so nicely with QuickBooks Online, you know, and we'll automate things like Connect Booster, you know, and just uh, uh, automate the entire accounting process as much as possible. And it's so, so much easier to do with QuickBooks Online. For us.
0: All right. So, what about those other solutions, though, like Zero and FreshBooks and mm-hmm. Wave Accounting? If you're crazy and want to go for the free one.
1: So, um, I, I have one client that's uh, using Wave, um, and and that's fine for them. You know, they're super small. You know, and, and as soon as they start to outgrow Wave, you know, we move them over to QuickBooks Online. Um, I really. Really wanted to like zero. I really wanted to like zero because you know I have this love-hate relationship with Intuit, and you know, and, and nothing made me more excited than a uh, viable competitor. Um, but as an accountant, is it's just not a, uh, a it's not a good system for us. I know that there's tons of MSPs out there using zero, and they love it, and that's great. You know, so. Um, Autotask has an integration with Zero, so it's ConnectWise. You know, you can always use Zapier to, uh, to, to do your integrations, you know, if there's not one native. Um, FreshBooks is a terrible accounting system. Um, <laughs> it's,
0: FreshBooks, I don't think, is technically an accounting system.
1: I don't think it is either. I think it's like a payment system because there's yeah. an integration from FreshBooks into QuickBooks. So you can collect your money from FreshBooks you know, and import it right into QuickBooks, you know, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you could just as easily set up the merchant system right inside QuickBooks and collect the money from QuickBooks and forget about the third party. So I'm definitely.
0: For the amount amount of money that QuickBooks charges, are you sure you just can't like zero better? (laughs) I I mean, I, I, I swear QuickBooks, like I was looking the other day. I'm not a QuickBooks user. I was looking the other day at it, um, and it's like log me in price increases over it into it. Like I, th- they are nuts. It, I think one of the QuickBooks products is uh, is now like the standard ones, like seventy bucks, and then like the nicer one is like over a hundred. Like they're high.
1: So where's yeah. Intuit
0: based? Do they have Do they have recreational marijuana there? Because they are
1: high. It's awesome. Um, So, yeah, QuickBooks uh, Online Advanced is the $150 per month um, system. And that is probably the online equivalent of Enterprise, right? So, and if you think about QuickBooks Enterprise, you know, um, that you're probably not going to get for under $25, $2,800 a year anyway. Um, it, it kind of evens itself out. Uh, then QuickBooks Online Plus, which is like the, uh, the online equivalent to QuickBooks Premier versions, that is the $70 uh, per month subscription. There's one that um, QuickBooks or Intuit is no longer <clears throat> selling retail. It's called uh, Online Essentials, which is kind of like the QuickBooks Pro version, um, but you can't buy that directly from QuickBooks anymore. You have to get that through a reseller like me. And mm. uh, so I, I'm i a reseller of all versions of QuickBooks. And uh, and I pass my discount on to my clients. So instead of paying $70 a month, um, you would pay me $45 per month for the QuickBooks Online Plus. And, um, and then the uh, Essentials, I, and I sell so few of the Essentials versions, um, I think that w- w- used to retail for like $40, and, and now I sell it for like twenty seven fifty per month or something like that. So I, d- I tend to, you know, just push, you know, um, share my discounts with my clients. That's really
0: cool. So yeah, I see it, it does look... Like if I go to the QuickBooks Online site, they they advertise Simple Start Essentials Plus and Advanced.
1: Oh, do so they? So if I go and, and their uh, Essentials wasn't on that page.
0: Interesting. So Essentials I see is fifty percent off for three months. I can get it for twenty dollars for three months, and then it bumps up to forty dollars. Right. And you so said my, that I one? I you sell out for out
1: for and I sell it for twenty seven fifty, and um That's and awesome. my discount lasts the lifetime of the subscription until of course you move it to some, you know somebody else if you want to you know if you, if i were to transfer the billing back to you you're you're going to be back up at retail you know by the next month so um if you didn't want to work with me you can uh, find another quickbooks reseller and then uh and then i can transfer the um the subscription over to them so that you get to keep your discount.
0: Nice. So there, there you go, guys. Even if you don't want to work with Rayanne, go find basically. A, it, is it technically an an Intuit certified gold or something, or is it just a reseller? Anyone?
1: Um, practically anybody with a QuickBooks Pro Advisor account can be oh, a reseller. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so. that was the word I was looking for. Like I said, I'm not an Intuit person anymore. So find find a Pro Advisor if you. If you don't want to go with Rayanne because you're a jerk, uh, you can go to the QuickBooks website and and they've got a pro advisor search and you can find somebody and they'll sell you QuickBooks. Uh, They might not even give you the same awesome price that Rayanne would because she's awesome, Uh, but it's okay if you want to be a jerk. Uh, Okay, so let's talk. (laughs) You you mentioned that QuickBooks uh, integrates with all these um, great PSA solutions. But the, the one PSA that you can really talk about well is Autotask because, as we as we said earlier, you are an Autotask consultant.
1: Yeah, so uh, anybody that doesn't know me um, or doesn't know about my um, uh, podcast, I have a podcast with my friend Chris Tim over in the U.K., and it's called PSA Impact, and um, when we started the The podcast, our intent was to talk independently uh, and not promote any one PSA over another. But the reality of it is, is that both Chris and I are Autotask consultants. And so most of our conversations are, you know, end up, well, this is how it's done in Autotask. So um, if you're an, uh, if you're a PSA user, or even more so an Autotask user, uh, check out PSAimpact.net and um, you know, and check out our podcast. So we talk about all things, literally all things PSA.
0: Thanks. Awesome. So um with with the auto task stuff, what what exactly does autotask consulting mean? Because I mean, I assume that means we have to pay you like tens of thousands of dollars to, you know, come out and and fix our autotask or or say you did and then we still don't know how to use AutoTask, and then and then there's like two bobs, and they're downsizing. And no, not like Office Space. Okay.
1: My uh, so my approach on AutoTask consulting is, you know, um, well, when it's very COVID friendly, you know, I I will absolutely <laughs> hop into a plane and come and spend three days on site with you if uh, if you feel that that's the best way, right? But um, I've been doing this for a really long time, and what I generally do is set up uh, Zoom calls or uh, Teams meetings and where um, we share your screen, pass the mouse back and forth, have a conversation, what's working, what is not working, and uh, and then we make changes to your system to get it working, right? So the first thing that we do is we start with a, a planning session you know, let's kind of go through everything is, you know, do you want to understand opportunities in the CRM piece and the quoting piece. Do you, uh, are you struggling with your invoicing or your contracts? Um, How about the workflow? You know, do you need uh, workflows set up or, you know, is your service delivery, the service desk, is that working efficiently? You know, um, where, where are the problems and uh, let's get in there and fix them together. Right. So, um, no, I you're not going to pay me thousands of dollars to get into your auto task and, uh, you know, and fix it for you, because is, I'll fix it the way I would. I would fix mine, you know, but you might get in there and you'll be like, I can't find anything. What did you do? Give me my money back. Right. So, <laughs> um, so you know, we make the decisions together and uh and we make the changes together so if we do work together uh i'm going to need you to um assign one person or more than one person to be on those calls with me it's somebody that can make decisions somebody that knows what's going on and uh and you know we'll we'll fix the problems you know or um in other cases somebody's uh you know just signing on to Autotask and signing on to data RMM and they have no idea you know the behemoth that it that just got tossed into their lap and so you know I'll start, you know, from from the very beginning, you know, here's where you go to upload your logos and here's where you go to put in your people and, you know, let's talk work types and roles and contracts and, you know, tickets and workflows and all of that stuff, you know, and then off to RMM we go and, you know, connect that in, make sure that the two systems are communicating, the tickets are coming in, how do we stop the noise, you know, for uh, self, you know, um, you know, self-correcting tickets, you know, from the RMM, you know, the this machine's offline, the backup didn't work. Oh, machine's back on, you know, so l- how do we auto, you know, shut down those tickets, you know, and keep them out of the actual service desk so that, you know, it's not a bunch of noise, you know, so somebody should be looking at it, but uh, it doesn't need to be in the main service queue, I would think. Anyway, so mm-hmm. that's kind of how I, I do that.
0: Excellent. And do you, I don't know if prefer is the right word because I don't want to, you know, make anyone feel excluded, but like, do you have a preference or do you, do you focus more on like people that are just getting started in autotask or people that have been using it and it not very well?
1: No, I, um, I have a fair mix of both, you know, um, some people, uh, some people will call me, I, 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 purchased Autotask three years ago. We've had it here and uh, nobody and still nobody knows how to use this. You know, what can we do? And uh, and others are brand new to it. Others have been in the system for 10 years and now they've got 10 years worth of um, you know, stuff. Garbage. That, garbage. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, you know, because <laughs> but, but yeah, you but know. I'll we'll throw
0: an MSP under the bus. It's garbage. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, because every time, every time you have a change in hands, you know, uh, at the you know at the service desk or in, in the office, you know, somebody else is putting in what they think is right, and then the next come, person comes in. Oh, that was all wrong. This is the right way to do it. And then the next person, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. let's let's scrap all of that. Let's do this. And uh, and then it turns into a big mess. So you know, we've got some cleanup to do.
0: So um, that that brings up a great point. You, you said, um, you said this person thinks they're doing it right. Maybe that person thinks they're doing it right, but they're not doing it the same way. So do you like to use, and I don't know what they call them anymore, but like the templates that were up in the corner of Autotask and you could use that to, to fill out like a ticket time entry or, or a ticket itself.
1: Well, that um, the speed codes
0: yes, so so speed codes w- would you recommend setting up some speed code templates that have like um almost like fill in the blank answers like what what system is it? What's the error code? Is there a screenshot that type of stuff so that way you can make sure that no matter what tech is doing it, they're they're always getting the right same type of information for you.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm a huge fan of speed codes and uh, ticket categories and ticket categories, um, you know, will actually allow you to uh, drill down even further and have a lot more options. Right. So if you mm-hmm. set up a ticket category, let's say, for, for example, it's a move ad change. And, um, and so you want to set up a a ticket for a move ad change, you know, this, you know, uh, Betty's computer now needs to become Carol's computer, right? So, um, you know, and then you, you have this ticket category and that says, uh, let's call it a Mac. And so you've got, you know, all of the things, you've got the work type, you know, chosen for you you've got the role chosen for you you've got the description chosen for you you know and the tech doesn't even get the option to change the work type or you know uh, so you can really lock down these tickets and so and the object here is to take the decision away from the technicians the technician is there to work the technician is not there to To determine whether this is covered under a contract or not covered under a contract, you know, or whether this is billable or whether they should be doing the on-site, um, you know, work type or the after hours work type or the remote work type, you know, stop making them think about these things. If you set up the ticket categories and the speed codes for the time entries, you know, you can standardize all this stuff and automate it in your uh, in your system right because the number one complaint you're probably hearing from your text is, i hate opening tickets i have to click a thousand times i've got to type in a bunch of stuff you know and I, I i don't and create tickets because it's a pain in the neck and so take the you know take the pain away from them and you know and just say okay listen hey if it's a move and change pick up the mac speed code or the mac template um, or category. And, and, you know, hit save, and then off you go, enter your time. And uh, and it's really going to um, streamline the service delivery in so many ways. Uh, another,
0: another thing I recommend I would... is, ooh, it's like I, I got louder over at your end or something. Um, I started hearing myself. It was weird. Now it's calm now. So another thing I recommend with... Autotask is uh they have the ability to do checklists in their tickets now uh back when I was using Autotask I think they had a limit of like 20 items do they still have that
1: uh if they do I haven't hit it but I generally put 20 checklist items in my tickets so uh, I don't I don't know that there's a limit I, on it
0: I may have OCD when it comes to I well, see when I when I think of checklists I want to make sure that like any idiot can walk over to my PSA open up a ticket and here's all the things I need to do like so no offense to the idiots out there um so with with that like checklists what are some some common checklists that you find yourself making for like most MSPs
1: Oh, um, you know, and I, I generally let them make their own checklists, but
0: um, okay.
1: for, for here's a, a perfect example. We'll have a checklist for onboarding uh, a, a new employee, right? So for your customer has uh, a new employee come on board. The first thing they do is they contact you. Hey, you know, Mary Jones is starting on Monday. You know, so what do you have to do? You've got to get them an Office 365 license. You've got to get them into Autotask. You've got to, um, you know, set them up on, you know, the Active Directory. You set up the credentials, get them, you know, into your pass portal or whatever password, you know, system that you're using, IT Glue, update that, update your autotask for the contact, you know, so there's a number of steps that need to be taken, you know, when one of your customers uh, on boards, one employee. And so, you know, that's, that's a checklist right there. The, um, I love it. So um, yeah. And things like that, I, because everybody's going to be using different tools, you know, and don't forget to install the agent, right? You've got to install the agents. You've got to install this. You've got to install that, you know, is this, and then document this and document that. And uh, so I I generally let the MSPs create their own checklists, but I uh, will help them get them set up and, you know, put them in. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Some other checklists I've seen, Uh, Some of the larger Autotask, I'm going to say Autotask firms, uh, larger MSPs using Autotask. I have seen people set up different sets of move, add, change checklists. So getting a new computer, here's a checklist for migrating all their stuff and setting up the new computer. Uh, Getting a new phone, um, whether it's a desk phone or an iPhone or whatever. Moving to a different desk or office. Um, and then, and like, they'll, they'll have all kinds of awesome stuff in those checklists. Like, you know, verify that the ethernet is, is labeled on the wall and that it is correctly, uh, patched in the switch and that the switch is set up with the correct VLAN and all, like all that stuff. I've seen people do that in, in their checklists. Um, I'm more of a, don't forget to install the printer, Uh, on my checklist kind of guy there's like the checklist is great for helping you you know remember to do all the things that you you might forget to do just because there is a lot to do when when you're doing something uh that your customer says oh yeah i just need you to move my computer real quick to the other room like yeah real quick no problem gotcha Mm -hmm. um workflows uh i've I've had a few people complain that ConnectWise does invoicing better. And I don't know if it's because of the workflow uh, rules that you're able to set with ConnectWise because they're able to do workflow rules on invoices. Is Autotask able to do that now? Mm -hmm. Still not? Okay. So with, with ConnectWise, it was like, you know, if if an invoice is, is still not paid and it's X days past due, send a reminder. Like, it had workflows for all yeah, kinds auto of stuff, so test you can do all that.
1: Autotask doesn't go anywhere near, you know, uh, past due reminders. You know, the uh, Autotask job ends at the invoice. So once that invoice is created and it's pushed over to the accounting system, uh, at, at that point, from that point forward, it's the accounting system's job to collect on the invoice, you know, and uh, and manage the accounts receivable.
0: Um. But you know they'll they'll say if it's not in Connectwise, it never happened. So right. if if it's if it's not happening in in AutoTask, then how do we know it happened? I guess is is kind of the the other way to say that, right?
1: Well, you know, like how do you know what happened in AutoTask? Um, so, because like if you email the invoice out, you know, there's uh, it tells you that it was emailed and it'll tell you when it was emailed. When it gets pushed over to QuickBooks or to the accounting system, you know, it will say, hey, this was updated in the accounting system on this date, the web services date. Um, or it will bring the invoice number back from the accounting system and put it into uh, into Autotask so that you know that the accounting system has it. And often, um, depending on the accounting system, uh, the accounting system will will tell Autotask when that invoice was paid. So you can still see whether the invoices were paid or not paid in Autotask, um, but you just can't really do very much about it (laughs) from Autotask, you know, go back to your accounting system and follow up with the invoice.
0: And and if the invoicing is, is so atrocious and auto-task and you you don't think that QuickBooks is smart enough to do what you want it to do, you could be looking into something like Connect Booster, for example. Um, um, yeah. Or, I, I think Bill.com might work too.
1: Um, Bill.com is okay. Um, but okay. I've run into some some significant Issues in trying to manage automated accounts receivable through bill.com. Uh, hands down, I recommend Connect Booster all day long. Every client that I've put onto Connect Booster loves it inside of 60 days.
0: That's awesome. That's um, very awesome. And do you have um, like an affiliate thing with Connect Booster?
1: I do not, no. Um, but there, Maybe. I've t- I've talked with them a number of times, and they're fabulous people um you know and uh, they,
0: I only ask Graham because they have one um, um, oh,
1: so you, have should, to
0: you you should talk to i would say your rep or or your contact or whatever you want to call them over there um have a conversation with them because uh they definitely have an affiliate program. And, and basically you, I think it's something like they give you a a little cut of the processing fees, which is, you know, it adds up once you, once you have, you know, 20 to 50 MSPs on it. Right. So.
1: Um, Yeah. uh, And of course, you know, I don't do most of this stuff, you know, uh, just because uh, somebody else is going to pay me for it. Um, I truly want to give out good information to the IT channel, you know, uh, like, like the guy with the, you know, uh, you guys give, give out so much of yourselves and um, this is my way of paying back. That's all.
0: And, and I appreciate that. And I mean, you know, I, I've monetized my YouTube channel. I get like 80 whole dollars a month doing my podcast. I don't charge you (laughs) I don't pay you. Um, so, I mean, this This is because I, I just truly love having these conversations and, and that type of stuff. So I want to be clear. Like, I'm not saying um, we should always just see money and, and run for it. But what I am saying is, you know, Connect Booster is a solid product. And they have um, whatever you want to call it. I'll call it an affiliate program. Um, so I, I think you should take advantage of it. Um, because
1: will, really you're,
0: you're already you're already recommending it to people you're already helping them implement it so why not why not have connect booster thank you for that as well
1: <laughs> I, as a matter of fact i think i'm uh, going to be on a podcast with um with ryan goodman uh in the next i don't know the next week or two I'm not sure exactly oh, that's when perfect to- just ask him on the podcast i will All your life
0: <laughs> <laughs> um I I wanna I wanna ask you about security stuff for a minute. Um I, I know that this isn't necessarily your your wheelhouse, but I I see a lot of things coming down the pike and I I do wanna get your your feedback and your, your opinion on things. So y- Cybersecurity, you know, there's a lot going on. You know, we, we saw uh, this this small little thing happen back in December with, you know, some tiny company nobody's ever heard of. So we don't need to talk about it. Uh-huh. But um, I think I just saw uh, somebody tried, like, poisoning people in Florida's water because the team viewer password, everyone was, like, sharing his team viewer passwords or something like that. Like, Florida's water company was hacked, and somebody tried doing something bad to Florida's water. Uh, no joke, just saw the article earlier on uh, ARS, ARS, whatever, Technica. Um, so, so my, with. Go um, ahead.
1: No, I was just gonna say, well, Florida's uh, drinking water is terrible to begin with. So, I'm not even sure how many people would notice, but uh, come on.
0: Fair. Fair. So I'm actually I want to scroll up now because I'm I'm dying to find it. Uh breached water plant employees used the same team viewer password and no firewall. Oh nice. Um yeah, so, so
1: um so Old,
0: Oldsmar, a Florida city of about fifteen thousand, that's roughly fifteen miles northwest of Tampa. Oldsmar. Yes.
1: Oldsmar is uh it's part of Pinellas County, it's right on the Um, uh, on the border of Pinellas and Hillsborough County it's right between uh, it's directly between Clearwater Safety Harbor and then Tampa right so it's the town right in between you know I I want to say it's probably Safety Harbor and not so much Clearwater um, but it all kind of runs together so yeah uh, Oldsmar is right up the road
0: the unknown intruder increased the amount of sodium hydroxide, a caustic chemical better known as lye, by a factor of 100. The tampering could have caused severe sickness or death had it not been for safeguards the city has in place.
1: Well, uh, so have a firewall, and everybody's using the same team viewer password. What, what safeguards did they have
0: again? What? Uh, <laughs> Windows XP, I'm sure, has a really nice password system. Um, all right. So, so with that said, cybersecurity. Um, there's a lot going on right now, Ryan. And and what what is your take? Like we we're going to have some some regulations, and I'm I'm thinking we're going to have them soon.
1: Um, And I I agree with that. Um, I was on another podcast earlier this year, and we were talking about predictions for 2021. This was back in early January. And, you know, and I was
0: with Dave Sobel.
1: Dave uh, was what I think Dave was on that um, same um, same podcast. Right. So. So my prediction was that 2021 was going to be the year that people actually took uh, se- security seriously. Right. So um, and, and as far Starting as they, in Florida, well, actually I, I think, you know, the, it really started in Louisiana, right. Cause they already have regulations and this is, um, and this is kind of where I wanted to go with this, you know, right. So we need some sort of regulation, and uh, I'm a huge advocate for the regulation of the IT channel. And before you start groaning, just hear me out for a minute. right? So the accountants, um, CPAs have the uh, AICPA, the American Institute of CPAs, and, and attorneys have the Bar Association, and doctors have the American Medical Association. We don't have an organization, you know, that has compliance standards, you know, in IT. And and the thing about those organizations for all of those other professions is that they provide the guidance, they provide the uh, standardization across the entire field, right? So they, they have checklists, they have procedures, they have contract wording, the whole thing the whole thing, right? So you know exactly what you need to do in order to stay compliant. You know, um, when you are a member of the AICPA, you know exactly what you need to do. You have to be peer reviewed every three to five years. You know, you have to fill out these checklists before you can do an audit. You've got all of these steps, you know, and, and those steps are outlined, you know, so, but what does today's IT professional have? You know, they have to find their own training and, and they have to make their own checklists. They have to build their own contracts, you know, and and they're doing the best that they can to secure their their customer's endpoints, you know, whatever it means necessary. But you've got all of these different vendors that are saying, this way is the best way, or no, not that way, this way is the best way, you know, and and so you leave this vendor because you think this one has a better product or a better this or a better that. You know, um, but what we don't have is one standard way of doing anything in the IT channel. <clears throat> and you know, so it's no wonder that MSPs are so confused about security and the best way or the best tool to do it, right? So, you know, if we don't have an organization willing to lead this regulation or or this legislation, we're going to end up having 50 different states with 50 different sets of rules, you know, starting with Louisiana, because Louisiana did, you know, pass, um, you know, regulations for MSPs, I think it was last summer, like in August or something. But, you know, if we don't have standardization, and I I really thought that CompTIA was going to be the one to step up and do it. You know, I really had high hopes because they have that annual DC fly-in, right? So, you know, where where they're already having conversations with the lawmakers, you know, I mean, would it be that much of a, a leap to say, you know, we need to, you know, come up with some sort of standardization, you know, or something? And I was... Really, I really had my hopes on Comptia to do it, and um, you know, some people doesn't seem
0: like they're going to or interested.
1: They're going to, and and I really don't know that they're interested. You know, you know, and there's what what about
0: an organization like ASCII? I mean, they've got the perfect name for it.
1: Right, so uh, ASCII would would be it would be a great opportunity for ASCII to jump in and say we're going to standardize. But you know, is a member based organization. I guess the AICPA is too, and so is the bar association. You know, <clears throat> um, but you know, if you uh, if if they have that standardization in place, and you know, um, whatever that standard is, and y- you have you can place the. A- the ASCII certified, you know, logo right on your website and all on your marketing materials and things of that nature. But at least, you know, you would have some way of standardizing your practices and uh, something to go, you know, to fall back on. And, you know, there's, there's strength in numbers, you know, because the more MSPs that get together and say, you know, we, you know, I'm tired of dealing with this trunk slammer down the street, you know, that is, you know, wreaking havoc on all of these network systems in the town, in town, you know, and, and he's undercutting me by charging $30 an hour. You know, he's got no security, you know, and he's, and he's feeding a bunch of lies to these customers, you know, and there's nobody out there to regulate them. And he is perfectly free to do exactly as he wants. He might not have much return, you know, business, but nobody's going to stop him and he's not doing anything illegal, you know, and, and I think, the standard until
0: one of his clients have a breach
1: right so then he uh doesn't renew his llc and he goes and he opens up another one in the next town and off he goes so (laughs) you know um because the llc might protect him and if he doesn't have any cyber uh cyber insurance right or you know uh, i mean what really what it you know what is the repercussions of it? You know, so the customer could hold him accountable, but if he doesn't have, you know, if he doesn't have 30 Bitcoins to pay the ransom guy, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They can't just drag him off to, to prison. He hasn't broken any walls, you know, and that's, I think, what we're talking about here is, you know, getting some decent standards you know, that everybody should, you know, adhere to. I have to abide by Circular 230. You know, if the IRS puts out, you know, code of ethics that I am required to follow if I want to continue practicing in front of the IRS, you know, I mean, it's we're really not asking. I don't think that it's asking an awful lot. You know, you can, um, I have to take my, Continuing education every year, you know, and I have to take a certain amount of hours in ethics, certain amount of hours in this kind of tax and that kind of tax, you know, so, um, you know, what if there was, you know, a regulation for CPE for. Uh, the IT professional, you know, in order to maintain your certification, you've got to have two hours of ethics. You've got to have, you know, six hours of security training, you know, you've got to blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, we've got all of these certification tests, but anybody can read a book and pass a test. So, hmm. um, you know, but <clears throat> I, I just, anyway, that's my whole spiel on. No, I,
0: I love it. And and you know you you mentioned having having thirty bitcoins, and I think that's an awful lot of bitcoins for ransom. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know that, that, is- that does bring me that that brings me back to what I think is going to be like my last question here, and it's an accounting question: um, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, like, do we report that stuff? We don't have to, re- I mean, it's it's not real money, so I don't have to tell the IRS I have it.
1: Yeah, you do. As a matter of fact, there's a question right on the face of the 1040, and uh, they had buried that question last year. It was a brand new question on the tax return last year. You know, um, it was actually buried on uh, the Schedule B where you report interest and dividends. But this year it is right smack on the front of the um, 1040, you know, and if you are, um, you know, if you have uh, traded or done anything with cryptocurrency, so uh, they're they're coming after the cryptocurrency.
0: So, if if you haven't traded the currency, and the currency doesn't sit in like a portfolio, whether it's Robinhood, Fidelity, Schwab, whatever you use, right? Um, and and it's sitting in one of those, I'll call it a, an encrypted wallet somewhere. Do they, do they, are they asking about that money that's been sitting in that wallet for years?
1: At the moment, they are not asking for uh, your balance of um, cryptocurrency, but, you know, in their defense, they don't ask you about the balance in your savings account either. Right? Okay. Um, So, um, you know, but they they do ask, you know, if you are, um, you know, if you have money in foreign bank accounts and they're treating um, they are treating cryptocurrency as a foreign bank account because there's no home base for it. And so they there is a form 90.223 or something like
0: Greek. Got it.
1: Um, <laughs> if you have more than ten thousand dollars in a foreign bank account you are required to report the balance to the internal revenue service and while that's not required yet this year i expect that that's coming up in the next couple of years where you know if you've got cryptocurrency accounts they're going to want to know what that balance is because um if you're buying things with that or if you're you know, um, using it for anything, they want to make sure that if somebody's getting the money, you know, it, then somebody's receiving income, they want to get their cut, they want to get their cut, absolutely. That's what they do. So, if I've got Bitcoin
0: sitting in Schwab, Fidelity, Robinhood, whatever, um, that would just show up on the report that they send me at the end/slash/beginning, whatever of the year, right.
1: Um, you know, I would imagine somehow you've got, you know, you're receiving something from somebody, you know, I have to play total ignorance on this because I have not done any cryptocurrency uh, transactions at all, but I know that.
0: Well, I, I know a guy that had one whole Bitcoin and um, I think he sold it when it was worth around like fifteen, sixteen thousand. 16,000. And he really hates when I bring this up right now. <laughs> have you seen the value of bitcoin Ryan?
1: um i have i i have briefly i mean i don't you know i'm like oh what's bitcoin you know trading at today no i don't uh i don't pay that close attention but i uh i want to say it's probably up in the 30 thousands or, uh, or higher
0: or higher um, um, um Right. When, when Google I Google it, it it's, it's going for 40, If I log into my Robinhood Robin account. account uh, it, is, it is going for. I I just, I, I, I just don't believe it's, it's exactly, exactly
1: forty seven
0: three forty seven three seventy four.
1: Obviously, obviously it's
0: you know fluctuating, and at and at forty it seven thousand so dollars of Bitcoin,
1: Bitcoin. Like, mm-hmm. like, you, you know, know it's up going up down,
0: down like five five to 30 dollars on a time, right? But, uh, but uh, here, here, he, here is. he is. i, 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 I sorry, sorry, it's got to be him. Nope, it's no, it's not, not him.
1: It <laughs> says my, so life, my, my mic is
0: dying. I, you, hear me, you hear me, right?
1: Um, it is. Your mic is dying. I thought it was just my speaker.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: Uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's echoey and staticky. One moment, one moment talks about something <laughs> um, So apparently uh, Steve has left, so here I am uh, to you know finish it off until he comes back. Uh, so what can we talk about now? Um, I'm sure that there's plenty of people out there that disagree with my uh, my thoughts on you know IT regulation in the channel and I would really really love to hear your, uh, your thoughts on that. So by all means, um, come find me and, and let me know what your thoughts on it are on it. Are you back with us?
0: Let's find out. How do oh, I sound? Much,
1: better. much, much better.
0: Okay. Sorry about that. I, I wish I, if I knew sooner, I, I would have done, all I did was refresh the page. So, you know, ma- magic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know what they say when
0: it when in doubt just reboot right right yeah. and i thought for sure that was the the buddy i was referring to uh yelling at me for for giving him a hard time on here i didn't name names no i'm not going to do it um no, don't do it. but but, it. but no it was it was my other buddy saying your mic is dying and then like period enter period enter period, like just to make <laughs> Just to make Slack freak out. So thank you very much, Dave, for that. I appreciate you looking out, man. Um, so, so as of right now, basically, if if we're dealing in Bitcoin, which uh, apparently Tesla will be this year, if anyone decides they want to buy a Tesla with their I Bitcoin, mm-hmm. um, unless you know they sold it when it was you know worth fifteen thousand instead of forty seven thousand. I mean, whatever though. Um, maybe it was two Bitcoin. Maybe that's why they're so mad. Because they literally could buy a Tesla right now with two Bitcoin. <laughs> that
1: would be nice, nice. right? Um, yeah. So no, see, yeah. I'm
0: the kind of I'm the kind of guy I don't I don't want to have a car payment ever again, Ryan. Um, so I drive a 2006 Odyssey Touring. It's a touring though, so it's really nice. I,
1: I'm I, I'm the same way. I bought. Uh, I bought my two thousand and twelve Honda for cash back in two thousand and twelve uh, nice. and and I'm still driving it so
0: very nice see and yeah. i I also don't want to buy something that's going to depreciate so much in the first year or two so I'll never buy a brand new car again like even you know even once I get independently wealthy from all this YouTube stuff because you know obviously right because
1: at eighty dollars a month you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, to be able to get yourself a nice Kia.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, so, so you know, once uh, I don't even—I—I I lost my train of thought. That was so funny. Um, wow! I legit lost my train of thought. Can you guys um, tell my memory starting to go? Like, you, you I literally forgot what just happened
1: you were you were talking about how you would never buy a brand new car because it would depreciate oh. in the first month.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I'll, you know, I'll go out and buy, you know, a 2018 Tesla Model X with all the bells and whistles, but I won't I won't buy a 21. Just cuz I don't know. I I want I want my dollar to have a higher value to me. Or Bitcoin. If you just sit on it for a few more days, I I bet you by the end of tomorrow it it might be up to fifty thousand. So feel free to buy a couple Bitcoin, Ryan, with you know all that money you've got laying around.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, tens of it, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I, I got to say this has been fun. Um, has I would, been. I would love to dive like really deep into autotask stuff with you sometime. So, Ooh. you know, seriously, anytime you have, you know, half a day free, <laughs> let's, let's hop on another one of these and, you know, dive, dive deep into auto PSA, because I think that there are a lot of really cool little tips and tricks that you could probably give people that you probably give people all day long already. Um, but if we just condensed it all into an episode, I bet you'd make uh, some right. some really happy newer Autotask partners.
1: Right. So uh, if some of your listeners wanted to put together, you know, some questions or, you know, specific areas where they, you know, would love to do something a little bit better in their Autotask, um, you yeah. know, build a whole, you know, a, a whole session around that and, you know, and start tackling all of the questions that come in, you know, I'm pretty good from, you know, shooting from the hip. So even if we did something live and they were asking questions like, well, where do I go to do this? Or how do I set that up? You know, um, yeah, that sounds like fun.
0: I I agree. Do you get, um, as as a consultant, do they give you like a, a sandbox to play in with with Autotask so you can go in and screw things up and show people how to use it without your own data getting affected?
1: Um, So, yes, I have a sandbox of uh, Autotask. They, um, you know, it's left over, and and I hope nobody at um, Autotask is watching this, but it's left over from the Community Live days when I used to do my live demonstrations at Community Live. And um, they never shut it off. So yeah, <laughs> so I still. So,
0: so you'll <laughs> pop into that, test some things out. But do you use AutoTask for yourself though?
1: We do. Yeah, we use it in house okay. um, to manage yeah, everything that we do. You know, in house. So nice. um, yeah, and we you know we we'll, we help our clients do their invoicing. I do my invoicing out of AutoTask. You know, so we use AutoTask for everything. We've even. <clears throat> We've even moved our documentation into Autotask, and uh, you know, so I'm gonna probably be um letting go of my documentation portal software that I'm not gonna name.
0: It sounds like a sticky one though,
1: yeah, yeah, that's a sticky point, right there
0: <laughs> So so with your documentation, do you have passwords in there? Yeah. Yeah, we do. And are you moving the passwords in AutoTask or a, or something like Keeper
1: or? Um, we so we have our documentation with the passwords in AutoTask, um, and you know, and each person on the uh, in the office, we all have our own versions of LastPass that we use as our password manager. Um, <clears throat> but you know, we have like so many you know clients with so many different portals and things that we need to log into and, you know, and who's got the two F a set up on this one and who's got, Mm. so we're constantly running around the office (laughs) who got the bill.com code.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, so I, I, um, I'm a, I'm an iPhone guy and I have an app that I I just got. It's called step two. And I am in the process of moving all of my two F a codes from Authy to step two. And there's there's a few big reasons. Uh, one, um, it is like a premium application, so it's got some extra features that Authy doesn't. Uh, two, it's it's kind of like integrated into the iCloud for me. So they have like their database, but it's not plain text. So I'm okay with it Uh, it gets stored into the iCloud. So that way, even if my phone died, I can, you know, bring up a new phone, open up step two, and there's all my stuff. And then um, the other nice thing is with step two, they've got uh, plugins for the major browsers. So Mm -hmm. I can just, and it, it it just pops in the code for me but obviously it's plugins on the major browsers on my macbook that we're, we're yeah. talking on so I've, I've i feel like there's got to be something that does that for you you know
1: there is LastPass actually has the uh, browser plugin that um, that you can you know uh, have the automated code you know, so you get to this website, you know, instead of opening up your phone and typing in the six digits, you know, it'll populate it. I, I'm pretty certain oh. that Webcast does it. I think KeyPass does it. Um, you know, and there's there's a few others out there that do it as well.
0: Okay. I'll have to, I've, I've never really thought to put, I feel like that is a security concern in itself. I agree. Putting my 2FA where my passwords are. So I've never really thought about like I know it can but I've never really looked into it because of that reason um but I would say look at some of the MSP centric password solutions like Keeper and Password Boss Password Bosses um uh has got David Bellini I'm sure you've heard that name before right. um he is he is one of the partners in less uh, in a Password boss. There's a couple others um, that I'm probably just forgetting the name of. So it's it's not Passportal. to, to dissolve. <clears throat> yeah, Passportal. Um that's a SolarWinds product though, and you know they had the big breach, so I don't know if anyone wants to use that. So <laughs> <sighs> um so yeah, I I was just simply going to say like some of these some of these password portals. Uh, would make it easier for you to share those passwords with your texts um, and keep them safe and secure. Because I don't know, I, I I do believe that it's probably frowned upon to keep the passwords in the auto test documentation area. I don't do they do they have a password field to to mask the password and to obfuscate it and all that stuff.
1: Um, hang on, I don't I I can log right in and. Um, and take a look in the documentation manager.
0: Sure, yeah, I, I don't any... know what they call it.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's the documentation manager. It's pretty new. That oh.
0: um,
1: it, it's like brand new, and
0: so so then it might be a moot point because I'm thinking of the old school. Like here's here's a glorified notepad have fun doing Mm -hmm. your documentation.
1: I'm thinking of that. The old um, old knowledge base, right? So they still have the knowledge base, but no, we don't use that. Um, It's actually a, you know, a new module inside Autotask for the documentation manager. um, And that's what it's called documentation manager. And so uh, we're, you know, It doesn't have all of the uh, features that that uh, that the sticky one has, but um, but, you know, we're an accounting firm. We don't really need all of those. You know, uh, we don't manage uh, active directory and we don't need all of that stuff. You know, we just need to be able to, um, you know, to get into the sales tax portal and, you know, pay payroll taxes on time and that sort of thing. So
0: gotcha. Mm-hmm. No that's that's cool. Like I like I said I I had no idea that they had something called like when you, you kept saying oh you mean documentation manager I'm like what are you talking about? Like oh that, they don't have that. That's ridiculous. So <laughs> apparently there's there's thank more you. that I have to look into. Yeah. So Cool. Well Ryan, thank you so so much for doing this with me. This was a lot of fun. Um guys, I'm going to put a couple links into the description so that way if you want to learn more about what ryan is doing with um autotask on her podcast or with the uh, accounting stuff you'll be able to, to go right there if anyone has any questions for ryan i'm sure if you go to either of those sites uh you can you can fill out a contact form and, and get right over to her and i'm sure she uh she may also accept your your friend request on Facebook or to connect on LinkedIn too. Probably.
1: I would I would absolutely do that. <laughs> awesome. yeah, thanks so much for having, for inviting me on here today. It was a lot My of pleasure. Fun. Um, and and I just uh, you know I love giving back to the IT community, and so I really look forward to any opportunity uh, where I can do that. So, thanks for that. If anybody has any questions about. PPP loan forgiveness or the second draw or the applications or, you know, how do I do this or that, you know, please reach out anytime. Uh, I'm always happy to help. And you can find me on, you know, on on all of the socials uh, and, um, you know, I, I hope to run into you again soon. And Steve, I know that I will run into you again soon.
0: Oh, you will. You'd better believe it. You're <laughs> on my short list of people to harass with an email. Hey, when are we going to do another podcast episode?
1: Awesome. Awesome. So- Thanks
0: again. Right. Take care, everybody. You get you uh, have yourselves a great day.